Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show on another Sunday. Sign Guy along with QT Vokes and the best of the Northwest 2021 tournament winner, Randy Zellers. Real fast yeah. before we get in with our guest today, some show notes if you're looking for some wrestling. Vancouver, B.C., there is a Lucha Libre show featuring Randy's partner, Christopher Rizek, the only American on that show. Also, up in our neck of the woods in Everett, Washington, WAP, without a cause, uh, they have out-of-town talent featuring our former guest, Paul Roderick, Billy Starks, Mouse, and my old partner, Mo Atlas. But without further ado, I'd like to welcome today's guest. He is out of Alaska in a... Uh, Alaska Russell C. He is Rogue Gibson. Rogue, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. It's this is my first podcast. So I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> oh, no need to be nervous. It's all good. All good here. So it is your first time, obviously, with this. So I'll give you the first time question. How'd you get started in pro wrestling? So the way how I got started, I started going to the WrestlePro Alaska show. I went to the first one when I was 17 in high school, and then I went to the second one my senior year, and I heard of the school, 907 Pro Wrestling Academy, and WrestlePro Alaska promoted that school. So I waited till after I was done with high school, and then I messaged the school to, if I could try out, and luckily they said yes, and that was a year ago. Now, in the last year, Alaska's wrestling scene's really heated up. You have WrestlePro, you have the 907 Academy doing shows, NSA, probably more wrestling in Alaska in the last couple of years than ever before. What do you think of the growth of the Alaska scene in the last couple of years? I think it's amazing because, I mean, Alaska, most people don't even know that we exist, you know? <laughs> so, like, it's great that we are getting, like, the looks that we are, and I hope that it grows within a few more within a few more years and so on. Absolutely. You look like you have a pretty good thing going up there. Now, at Alaska, one of the regular places uh, people can go to train to be wrestlers and just a foot in the door is the 907 Academy. I know the trainers up there are very, very good. What's your experience has been like with 907's training center? Oh, 907 has been great. I got to thank Coach YT and Coach JT for giving me the time that they have to train me because at first, I mean, I wasn't that good. I was obviously nobody's good when you start off training. So, yeah, so I got to thank them. And amazing experience, 10 out of 10, all over for everything that they trained me to do. Now, uh, your Coach JT is out of. Tennessee, he's been all over the country for pro wrestling. Y period, T period, Jones has been all over the Pacific Northwest from Alaska to Washington, several promotions between them. Do you think having coaches that have traveled so much and have made all these contacts, or do you think that will benefit you as one of their students, or do you think 
your path's going to be a little bit different than what they could provide for you. I think it will be a good thing because, like, they can tell me where to go and, like, which are the best places for me to, like, expand on to. Tell me which are the best places, and they will – yeah, my bad. But they will pretty much help me if I ask, and then they'll give me which route to go and which states to go to. So it will be, I see that as a good thing. Now, I know uh, JT has a wealth of knowledge as far as moves and holds, that type of thing. Have you personally developed, like, a favorite move or a hold that is in your arsenal? Maybe not necessarily what you use as a finish or on a regular basis, just one that you particularly enjoyed learning. Ooh, so that's kind of a tough question. Sorry. So um, my favorite move that I like doing in matches, you will see them in all three of my matches are the clotheslines. The run, the clotheslines into the corners is my favorite one. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, just for the visualization, are we talking like clotheslines into the corner like a Splash type of clothesline, or are we talking kind of like the Miz? More like a splash. It's not like the Miz where I put like my legs into the towards the outside of the ring. Okay, so it's more like, kind of like a like the old '80s clothesline into the corner. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, yeah it's like okay. old school. Now, you are very, very young in your career, so this may not quite apply to you, but if anyone's in wrestling for any length of time, they have a moment or two that is scary for whatever reason, be it injury, uh, they just see something that doesn't look right, uh, fans get overly involved, stuff like that happens. Have you had a scary incident so far? No, I wouldn't say particularly. I mean, I would say, like, it was scary, but it was definitely, like, nerve-wracking when I made my debut on the WrestlePro Alaska show because it was my first match, and I was nervous to go out and wrestle in front of that many people. Plus, it was being live-streamed in front of however else. But it is what it is. I did my thing, and the nerves ran away as soon as I entered the ring. Well, at this point, my co-host Randy Zellers, former Washington State heavyweight champion, is with us, and I know Randy's got questions, so I'll pass it along to him. (laughs) All right. What's up, man? How's it going? Oh, man. Uh, It's going good, man. I can't really complain too much these days. I mean, I'm just... Glad that we get to wrestle in front of people these days. Uh, but, man, I'm just trying to take it all in because I know one of these days we probably might go back to lockdown again. I'm not sure. But on any on any note, I see that um I see that you got a good relationship with um, YT and JT. Man, yeah, and I know the relationship is really good. When YT trains you, I know, I know that guy. Can, I know that man can train, and I would, uh, and I know JT can train. How do you right. take to the training? Yeah. Sorry, one more time. Oh yeah. Oh, how do you how do you uh, adapt well with their training philosophy? No, I like their training methods because yeah. it helps a lot. And if I'm struggling with something like a move, they will teach me how to do it the right way, and they will take the time teaching me how to, so I got to like that. Heck, yeah. Their training method is amazing. Uh, that's cool, man. And I see it, and I saw your match with Calvin. And, um, man, I, I mean, the story that I saw in that match was was um, sharing. He shared. <laughs> he shared, and I like that, you know. 
I like it when a when a when a uh, rookie that's coming in with a vet. There's there's a lot of vets that will now share with rookies and stuff and try to get you over and stuff like that. All I had to say was, hey, that was smart. With <laughs> hey, when you when you saw that super kick coming, you went went out the ring immediately like you knew what was the hub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that, man. Thank you. I mean, I've watched before my match with Calvin, like before most of my matches at least, I watch who my opponent is and I watch their matches and I see what moves they do. So, like, obviously Calvin and his super kick is, like, um, like that's a deadly move. You don't want to get caught by one of those. So, I saw that coming yeah. out and I took the ring as fast as I could. Yep. How do you hit that? How do you hit that move? That match would have been shorter than I expected. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> heard that. Um. Yeah, I want to get into a little bit. Um. Yeah. Um. Your. How about an athletic background? Was there any other sports that you played when you was in high school, middle school, elementary, or anything like that? So, yeah, I did four years of high school, all four years. Oh, yeah. And I played varsity for ever since my sophomore year. And my freshman year, I played in a smaller school, so it was like, I wouldn't really say, like, I mean, I did play for varsity, but it was like later on in the season, but it's like how small oh, okay. the school was. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah. And, then in, and then in middle school, I was still trying to find out which sports I liked, you know, so like it was very, like, it was more of experiencing, and I did a little bit of track and basketball. I was pretty much doing a lot of sports. Oh, okay. But football track was, and basketball? Football, yeah, but football was the one that stuck out very well with me. Yeah. What position you play? So, believe it or not, so I weigh about 155, but in the old time that I lived at, I played three years in before my senior year, so... My first three years, I was a defensive lineman. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, defensive lineman. Hey, I like playing the line, though. Defense, yes. And then it was because, like, how tall I was and how skinny, I could just skip through their offensive line and get to the cornerback. And they would all, and it was always weird because, like, they would always have to double-team me. <laughs> but my – my senior year, I played tight end, and then because I was one of the actual smaller guys on the team, they put me as linebacker. They're like, "Yeah, we're not we're not going to place you up against these big guys. You're a buck fifty five, so we don't want you to get hurt." Yep. Hey, they ain't nothing but, wrong with play a linebacker. Right, linebacker is yeah. easy. Yeah, um, huh. yeah. Growing up and growing up in Alaska, dang, how was how was that for you? Growing up, like, like you got those crazy times in the summer, the crazy times in the winter. How was it? How was it for you? Uh, so being born and raised here in Alaska, it's been amazing. I love the snow, and I love the summers too. Ah. When I was in sixth grade all the way up until my junior year of high school, this the small town that I lived in, Valdez, was known as the snow capital of Alaska. Like, it would be, like, six feet of snow at the beginning all the way up until, like, nine feet. And it was amazing. Man. Living. So, obviously, as an Alaskan, I love the snow. Yep. <laughs> Man, I remember my first time going to Alaska. But yeah, I was about I was about in high school. My my older sister was running the Lady Foot Locker in Anchorage. Nice. As soon as I yeah, as soon as I got to Alaska, I'll tell you, I was like in shock because I went up there in the wintertime, and it's like eleven o'clock. It's like eleven o'clock in the morning, and still, and still it was dark out. 
Right. I was like, it's still dark outside. I'm like, the heck? I mean, and I had to bundle up. I had to bundle up like if I was actually going out for an activity, but really going out to take out the trash. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it just started. It just started snowing here a couple of days ago. Damn. Damn. Still, damn. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and people drive in the snow like it's nothing. Yeah. Wow. And then, like, it gets very dark here, but I've been to this one place, Barrow. It's the very top of Alaska. It It's dark almost 90% of the year. It only, like, it gets dark. For like no sun at all, sixty for at least sixty days. Holy crap, man! <laughs> not not Dang. a spot of sun. <laughs> so when you you know the method where the where the sun don't shine, the ref, yep. referencing Barrow. <laughs> oh man! Well, shoot. I hate to cut this short here because my voice is kind of raspy, but I'm gonna have, but I'm gonna pass you on over to the homie. I mean, to the to my man, my homie, QT, QT, my man. Take it away, and it was nice chopping it up with you, my man. And best of luck nice to, you. to you, man. And we hope, and we hope we see, and we hope we'll see you in the Northwest. Thank you, thank you. Yes, no problem. Keep on doing what you're doing. QT, I appreciate it. Take it away. Well, thank you, Randy. Hello, Mr. Gibson. How's it going? Mr. Gibson, can you hear me clearly? And if not, I will turn down my uh, phone volume. Is this okay right. volume for you? Yeah, I can hear you now. I can hear you clearly. Well, Mr. Gibson, I saw your YouTube video entitled Rome Gibson versus Tama Faline, Fawning, June 5th, Fanene. Oh, okay, Fanene. Uh, uh, June 5th uh, for 907 Pro Wrestling Academy. And in this match, you were on the receiving end of some moves by Tama that if he were to exercise poorly or you had landed wrong, it could have resulted in some neck injuries sustained by you. Can you tell our Turnbuckle Turmoil listeners how you yourself go about building up your neck so it can be like a shock absorber? Mm, I don't really know how to answer that question to be exact, but I don't know. I just trusted Tama for performing the move safely. My neck is just Naturally, I don't really do anything to make it strong. It's just like that naturally. Oh, okay. Well, I do hear that some freestyle wrestlers, like at the collegiate and high school level, do neck bridges, but they're kind of dangerous if you don't do them right, right correctly. I know Mike Tyson used to do an hour to an hour and a half a day of neck, uh, just neck bridges to build up that shock absorber neck, Mike Tyson. Right. I mean, most of the time, if I know that I'm going to hit my head on a move, I just tuck my head. (laughs) That's probably like the best thing that you can do so you don't hit your head and get that whiplash. Have you yourself ever had any pile drivers that gave you many neck stingers? Or, or a slight numbness in the neck? Mm, I haven't really taken a power driver that much. I've only taken the Tama driver from Tama, and that's about it. So, I haven't, so luckily, I haven't been hit with too many power drivers, and luckily, I haven't had any neck injuries. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Mr. Gibson, have you ever been in a uh, forum in Anchorage, Alaska, called the O'Malley Center. And if so, how is their concession stand? 
I haven't been there before, my bad. So I can't really answer how their concession stands are. Oh, okay. All right. Do you yourself have an event coming up on December 3rd at the Denali Harley-Davidson Motorcycle Center? That That's Palmer in for WrestlePro, but I don't know as of right now if I'm going to be on that show or not. Okay. All right. Okay. Mr. Gibson, have you ever had an arm wrestling match with Y period T period Jones? I have not, but I assure you if me and coach YT Jones were to go into an arm wrestling match, I'm a hundred percent confident that I would beat him. Wow. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is there a possible future arm wrestling match with, Y period, T period, Jones for charity. Maybe. Uh, we got to definitely have that set up now, now that you brought that to air. Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Gibson, a seminal moment in film history came when Revenge of the Nerds came out. Uh, did you yourself see Revenge of the Nerds? And if so, were the Greek games one of your favorite scenes, the not, the eight events of the Greek games held between I, the Alphabetas and the Trilandas? I haven't watched that movie, but I'll definitely give it a try. The only, revenge, the only movie that I've seen with Revenge of is Revenge of the Sith from Star Wars. I'm a huge Star Wars guy, so, but I definitely got to give that movie a look. Revenge of the Nerds, you said it was? Yes, Revenge of the Nerds, the tri- the the, uh, the Greek games. I'll definitely give it a look after the podcast. Oh, okay. I'll give it a look. All right, because they have an arm wrestling match between uh, one, of, one of the uh, standout characters, Ogre, who, who belonged to the Alpha Betas, and one of, I think it was one of the Megamoos. Yes, the Megamoos. Um <laughs> I'm just bringing this up because I would like to see a a um a recreation of this play the uh the Greek games with Randy Zellers taking on the role of ogre and someone else taking on the role of that beefy uh, mega mood that almost beats ogre in the arm wrestling contest. I mean, <laughs> not, not not a girl, I mean you. If you and Randy Zellers could recreate this scene from the Greek games that would be great. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Getting back to the subject of the neck and the neck, neck acting as a not-too-great shock absorber on most people, an example of an animal having a thick neck or a... Or a hyena, a rhino, and a hippo. Among dinosaurs, the Triceratops was known for its thick neck. What was your impression of Kurt Angle when you first saw him and his neck? My first impression of Kurt Angle, geez, so I'm, I managed to watch like the later part of his career. Like He had a pretty messed up neck. I mean, after all, I mean, in every promo that you've ever heard him say, you always hear him say, I want a golden medal with a broken freaking neck. So, I mean, it would it definitely tells you how his neck is, obviously. So, yeah, not, not the best of necks to have. I definitely wouldn't want to have it. Respect to Kurt. Are neck injuries, uh, are, are neck injuries the number one injury that you fear most? Yeah, most definitely, because, I mean, one bad neck injury and pretty much you're out, depending on how bad it, you're pretty much out for a year, maybe even your whole entire career, depending on how bad it is. I mean, look at Sting when he wrestled Seth Rollins at, what was it, Survivor, was it Survivor Series? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Survivor Series, and he he had a neck injury, and that put him out for five years 
Yes, yes. Okay, that, that it was a long, long uh, part of time there. Yes, it, it that was about as memorial, memorable, uh, or uh, iconic moment in wrestling as when Jerry the King Lawler pile drove Andy Kaufman and gave Andy Kaufman a neck injury. Would you agree? Yeah, most definitely. Or I would even compare it to when Owen Hart power drive Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, okay. Yes, that was also a a, a certain uh, neck injury uh, frozen moment in time. Yes. Okay. Well, Mr. Gibson, I also saw your YouTube video entitled Rome Gibson versus Calvin James, July 17th, 2021. And at the 34-second mark of the video, you and Calvin are about to come together in a lockup. This gave me a good angle to see that you were both close in body size. Now, I'm an expert in video analysis on the Turnbuckle Turmoil Show, and I'm guessing you are 5'10 in height and 175 and a half pounds. Am I close? Yeah, you're pretty close. Oh, okay. That is, wow. Like, (laughs) pretty Like for real, bro. Like that is that's like the most accurate. Oh my lord! That was like the most. Am I close there? I'm about five eleven to six foot. Yeah, but dang, body weight (laughs) exact. Oh, one seventy five and a half. Yeah. Oh, okay. How about after you eat a Big Mac? <laughs> after I eat a Big Mac, I got to say maybe 185, maybe. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. What if you and Randy Zellers were to have a jambalaya uh, cook-off and eating contest? Could you? Would you weigh 175 after eating three bowls of Randy Zellers jambalaya? Probably not. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, oh, all right. I'd, I'd definitely be full after two, <laughs> three maybe. I'll probably gain like 30 pounds from that. So I'll maybe be like 190, 195 oh, maybe. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, Mr. Gibson, at the two minute and 19 second mark of the match, Calvin James executed a nice arm drag takedown using his right arm and hip to lift you about four feet off the canvas and throw you about six feet. Were you surprised by his wiry strength? Because I'm guessing Calvin James was an inch shorter than you and 10 pounds lighter. Yeah, that that definitely surprised me. Like, it was like... Wow, he did that to me. <laughs> oh, okay. But, Do you believe he is ten pounds lighter than you? No, he he's more than me. He's about two ten. Oh wow. Oh okay. Boy, I'm glad I didn't do a video analysis analysis on him because I would have been wrong. <laughs> Boy, I would have been. I, I I wouldn't want to put my nearly undefeated uh, guess of wrestler's height and weight due to video analysis streak. I wouldn't want to have done that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Mr. Gibson, if you freeze the video at the 5 minute and 42 second mark, you can see Calvin James frozen in mid-flight after he took off from the top turnbuckle. He is about two feet above the top rope with his arms outstretched, and he is about to come down on you. That's, that's if you freeze it at the 5-minute, 42-second mark. Right. He reminds someone of a peregrine falcon or a California condor. Well, Mr. Gibson, as you remember, the herbicide DDT 
or dichloral diphenyl trichloroethane was developed as the first of the modern synthetic insecticides in the 1940s. It was initially used with great effect to combat malaria, typhus, and other insect-borne human diseases among both military and civilian populations. But it also made the eggshells of the California condor very fragile. If Calvin James were a California condor chick incubated in an egg, he would be in trouble. My question is, were you a big fan of Jake the Snake Roberts' DDT? Oh, yeah, I gotta, I'm a fan of Jake the Snake's Roberts' DDT because that, he made it look deadly, and he's the one that made the DDT mainstream to a lot of wrestling. So, yeah, he, oh. I'm a huge fan of it. You got to be the huge, you got to be a fan of the person who made it popular. Yes, and DDT is much easier to say than dichloro, diphenyl, trichloroethane. It's much easier. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you were to say the full name, if you were to say the full name of the DDT, the wrestler would have already won the match and already been to the back by the time he finished it. Yes. And Mr. Gibson, did you notice in all of wrestling history, no one gave a DDT to Andre the Giant that I'm aware of? Dang, I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, it would I don't be... think that Andre ever got DDT'd. I don't think Probably so. Not. I'm, I don't. I don't think he did either. I mean, he he's seven foot tall, five hundred pounds. I mean. What what human or what wrestler is strong enough to kick him and get him down into in the position to give him a DDT? The only one that would maybe come close was maybe a big cat Ernie Ladd. Right, big, big cat Ladd. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Gibson, we had on this past Friday a guest named Dwayne Dixon, and I asked him a few questions about a match I saw on YouTube called Aerie versus Trash 2 Extreme Valley Wrestling. The wrestler Trash came to the ring with a cup begging for change. He even asked the referee for change. My question is, have you ever had an opponent use an off-ramp squeegee on you? Uh, no, I haven't. I've I've only been in three matches and luckily none of them brought out a squeegee and if they did I'd kick them in the face. Okay, if you went undercover for the FBI, uh, maybe on a drug survey or any other undercover operation for a, maybe a police department and you had to dress up like a a street vagrant, could you get change? Off Randy Zeller's spare change. Probably not. <laughs> okay, probably not. Okay. All right. Would you clean his windshield with Windex and a squeegee real fast before he objected? If I had Randy a Zeller. squeegee and Windex, yeah. But, I mean, the odds of me having a squeegee and Windex cleaner right away is nearly impossible <laughs> i mean who willingly carries around a windex and a squeegee <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know unless, unless if you work at a unless if you work at a car wash dealer maybe i mean obviously you would but if you don't i don't see why you would be carrying a windex cleaner and a squeegee okay all right very good okay well, you know, in street fights, you know, they could be valuable assets, the Windex to blind an opponent or a, another street fighter and the squeegee to uh, wrap them upside the head. Yes, two valuable street fighting assets. Right. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Mr. Gibson, the coffee culture in Seattle has been featured in quite a few movie 
including Slackers with Matt Dillon. Matt D- no, yeah, yeah Matt D- Dillon, I guess. Yes. Anyway, uh, coffee is very important to get people up and running in this sometimes gloomy Seattle atmosphere that sets in in the fall. My question is, is coffee or tea one of your pre-workout favorites to get you pumped up? Coffee or tea? I would say tea, yeah. I drink a lot of tea. I'm not much of a coffee person, but, yeah, I got to say tea. Okay, tea. Uh, I'm going to guess that you like a nice uh, Earl Grey. Earl Grey. Yeah. How about a lemon zest? Is that closely followed? Lemon zest. Yeah, 100%. Okay, very good. Pre-race uh, drink, okay. Well, uh, Mr. Gibson, I heard that Anchorage had a pretty cool summer. Is it true that you only had three days of about 80-degree weather and the rest were uh, mostly 70s and 60s? Is that true in Anchorage? I got to I got to double check that but it might be correct. I mean definitely seems about right of the typical summer of Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> yeah, I heard it was mo- a little bit wetter than normal and cooler. Right, I definitely definitely have to do my research on that one. <laughs> to see if also, it's 100% it's accurate. At a at a wetter than normal. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, Mr. Gibson, it was good talking with you, and I'm glad that I could cover the subject of DDT with you and California condor chicks. And at this time, I'm going to give it back over to Sangai. Well, Rome, one of the things that often happens in pro wrestling is sometimes people will get cut from various moves or objects to get introduced into the match, and that will bring blood into things. A lot of people have various opinions on the place of blood as it relates to pro wrestling in this era. What's your own personal thoughts of having blood in pro wrestling matches? I would say, like, it it all depends, like, on the setting like i mean obviously like if there's story like great storytelling to it yeah maybe shed a little bit of blood like if i were to crack somebody over the head with a steel chair i would expect them to bleed a little bit like if if i'm feuding with that person and have you been considering hitting someone with a steel chair recently uh a little bit yeah (laughs) Well, I hope the people in Alaska are on the lookout now. <laughs> oh, you yeah, have I'm... only had a few matches so far in your career, so you haven't really traveled a lot for pro wrestling just yet. When you look at really places haven't. that most interest you to go to for wrestling, whether it's within a lower 48 or if it's a foreign country or whatever, where do you think would be the longest trip that you would make? The longest trip I would make, I would would definitely want to wrestle somewhere at at a country like maybe Japan. I mean, that would be a pretty far travel. It is a pretty far away place. Now, Japan in the last, say, five years or so has opened up a lot for American and Canadian independent wrestlers to go there to wrestle. Uh, There's a lot more work in Japan for your average independent wrestler than there ever was. Do you think that the style of Japan is something that will mesh with your style, or do you think you'll have to adapt a little bit in order to fit in if you go to Japan? I think I would have to adapt, yeah, because 
a lot of Japan wrestlers, or majority of them, they're pretty hard strikers, and that's what they do. So, yeah, I would definitely have to adapt, and then, yeah. Now, do you ever, as a trainee, go to the coaches and ask them to teach you, say, Japanese style or Lucha Libre style to have that in your back pocket, or is it something that you would have to learn closer to the time that you would go to these places? Uh, I would I would definitely ask Coach JT and Coach YT to, if I wanted to learn some moves, I would ask them. But I'm more of a technician slash brawler in my matches because that's the way how they taught me to wrestle. But if I want to learn lucha, lucha or whatever, I'll ask, I'll ask them if they can teach me and if they know how to, hopefully they would teach me. Now, the lucha style is very, very, very different than pretty much any other style of wrestling. It has gained a lot of popularity the last... 20 years or so with American fans. Right. Um, is Lucha something that you can see yourself eventually wanting to get into and try, or is it something that's not a great interest at this point? I mean, obviously, like as a kid, Lucha was a huge inspiration to me. I mean, obviously, like Rey Mysterio, the Guerreros, and a lot of those guys, I mean, seeing them on TV, obviously, like, as a kid, you would definitely want to see, you would definitely want to try and do those moves. But right now, I, I definitely got to increase my athleticism if I want to be doing the stuff that they be doing. But maybe, I mean, you can never say never in, in wrestling, so I, mean, I hope that I gain the attributes to do some of those lucha moves. But if not, if you probably won't be seeing me do them. Fair enough. Now, obviously, conditioning is a big factor for a professional wrestler. You have to be in physical shape enough to do what we do. What right. is your basic conditioning program right now? My basic conditioning, so for cardio, I definitely need to work on my cardio, yeah, but I'd say it's still pretty decent. And my strength, I'm I'm still working on getting stronger and stronger every day. I like working on my upper body more than anything, to be honest. So people should go for the figure four. Yeah. Um, they could, <laughs> which would probably be bad for me, but I, will, I would definitely find a way to get out of figure fours. Luckily, nobody that I've seen did it up here in Alaska has done a figure four yet, so hopefully they won't catch me with one of those. Hopefully not, and hopefully JT's phone doesn't blow up with people asking if he can show them the figure four. <laughs> right. That would, that would definitely be a tragedy right there. For sure, and I would feel bad for the rest of my days. <laughs> now, in the history of pro wrestling, there have been many, many movies that are based around pro wrestling. You have films like The Wrestler, both versions of it, Body Slam, uh, you have uh, No Holds Barred, so many films. What would you say is right. the best pro wrestling-based movie that you have seen? Ooh, so this is going to be my opinion of what I think is it's got to be Nacho Libre with Jack Black because I'm a huge Jack Black fan. He's one of my top five favorite act- actors, so I got to just because of that, I got to put Nacho Libre on there. Not a bad choice. 
Now, do you have a goal at this point to wrestle the human tornado who actually was in that film? I, I mean, hopefully I will. If if he thinks that I'm a worthy opponent, hopefully me and him can lace up our boots and square up in the middle of the ring. Wouldn't shock me if that happens. He's just down in California, so he's on the proper coast at least. Now, in addition to films, there have been hundreds of books written about pro wrestling and about the people involved in it. What would you say is the best book related to pro wrestling? The best book relating to pro wrestling? I definitely got to... Dang, this is a hard one. Definitely got to go with some of McFoley's books or Chris Jericho's autobiography books. Those are pretty good books for sure. Now, were you a fan at all of Mick Foley's fictional books? Yeah, they were pretty good, especially because a lot of them came out when I was in elementary school back in like the early 2000s to or late 2000s to early 2010. So I would definitely, every time when I heard that he put out a fictional book, I would definitely pick it up and read it. <laughs> I would ask my mom to go to Barnes and Nobles and go get that book so I can read it. Oh, speaking of McFoley, he has in recent years gotten into stand up comedy. He does a touring schedule uh based around his stand up comedy routine. Since he opened that door, we've seen a lot of wrestlers do stand-up comedy. RVD, Jake Roberts, uh, Jake Manning, the Man Scout, so many. In fact, next month on this very program, we kick off Funny Ha Ha Month with the wrestlers that have also done stand-up comedy. What do you think it is that attracts pro wrestlers at least in recent times, to also give stand-up comedy a try? I would say what would lead him on to that. I mean, obviously, like Mick Foley, he's cut a lot of promos in the ring. So, like, maybe like that was one way to lead him to stand-up comedy. But a lot of it's got to do with, like, obviously talking on the mic because that will, like that's the easiest way to like gain confidence in yourself to doing standout comedy. I've never done standout comedy, but I mean, talking on the mic is experience and it will help you do standout comedy in my opinion. I can definitely see that. Now, like we said, you have not got a lot of matches under your belt, but Obviously, having had some matches, you have packed a gear bag before. Based on your own experiences to this point, if someone were to break into pro wrestling today and they needed to get their bag packed, what are some of the essentials that you would recommend somebody always have in their gear bag? You always got to start off with compression shorts, double double up on socks, and obviously your gear, but definitely compression shorts will help you out a lot. Not a bad suggestion right there. Ellen, I went to Alaska a few years ago to officiate. One of the rules I was informed of by the people in Alaska was if a moose enters the venue, you have to stop the match immediately until the moose vacates. Is that still <laughs> a rule in Alaska? Honestly, I, def- I definitely have to ask Coach JT about that because I, I didn't, I never heard about that. I mean, then again, luckily, 
most of our venues or I would I should say all of our venues have been indoors. So it's pretty hard for Moose to get in to get inside. I mean, unless if someone just held the door and was like, Come here, Moose But luckily there hasn't been any mooses that have been inside and this disrupted any of our wrestlers matches. That is very good. I was a little bit nervous that Mickey Moose Knuckles was going to show up and I'd have to shut things down for a few minutes, but that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> that, that would definitely be a bad thing that would happen. Like, you're in the middle of a match, and let's say if I were to hit someone with my finisher and I'm pinning them, and before the ref counts to three, a Moose disrupts the match, then then I don't get the win. And if I don't get the win, I'm going to be a very upset guy. Would you go after the moose? I mean, I'm not dumb enough to go after the moose by myself, but if I had a weapon like a chair or maybe a sledgehammer, I'd definitely take on the moose. I would pay double to see that. As Thanos said, I would definitely have to go for the head of the moose, and then I'll take his antlers while I celebrate victory. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would definitely pay double the ticket price for that. (laughs) (laughs) A little-known fact outside of Alaska, if you go into the ring truck that is used for most of the shows there in Alaska – you will see a picture of me inside of the ring truck. I'm sure you've seen the ring truck at some point in time. How well decorated is that ring truck that they have a picture of me right inside that thing? Dang, that, I didn't even know that. I'll, I'll definitely have to go inside a ring truck and to see that picture. It is a definite thing. I confirmed it. Like maybe in the last month or so when a couple of the Washington guys went up to Alaska. So it's still there. <laughs> All right. I'll definitely I'll definitely have to go far deep into the inside the ring truck to see it. And then Just tell me Garland to go get the turnbuckle key and then when you get in there you just look around. <laughs> Now, your, uh, one of your coaches, Y. Perry T. Period Jones, he happens to be commissioner of a couple of promotions here in Washington. He also manages at a few. Have you expressed interest at all to Y. Period T. Period on maybe making a trip or two with him when he gets down to our area? Well, yeah, I definitely want to go ahead and down and wrestle outside of Alaska, but my goals as of right now is to gain a little bit more experience in Alaska and gain more fans here before I try to do anything too big by going outside of Alaska. Very, very smart. One of the people that has ventured out of Alaska in a big way in this past year Uh, She has been all over the place as far as pro wrestling goes, Um, NWA, AEW, and, of course, she's been here in the Washingtons. She's on all the Alaska shows. What do you think of the recent successes of Freya the Slayer? Oh, yeah, Freya, she's a really good in-ring and she's amazing and like there's not enough words for me to describe it but her success is amazing and especially because she's coming out of Alaska and she's been on like you said NSA and AEW now AEW obviously is a big promotion so like for a wrestler like her and her skills and especially coming out of Alaska showing what people that are watching on TV and in AEW, what she can do, that is definitely amazing. And it definitely helps Alaska, like helps bring out 
Alaska more to professional race wrestling, saying, "Hey, we got this. We got good wrestlers like Freya coming out of Alaska. Let's see what other wrestlers from Alaska can do." You know, like they'll definitely like want to fly up here to see what we can do. Absolutely, and it seems like you've gotten more and more bigger names coming up to Alaska in the last couple of years, so I think word right. is definitely spreading for you. Right. People people want to see what we can do, and they want to challenge us now. So. <laughs> well, we have just a few minutes left of today's show. I want to give you plenty of time. If there's anything at all you would like to say to the listeners, plug and promote anything and everything, social media, shows, merchandise, your favorite seafood restaurant, anything at all, floor is all yours. All right. So first and foremost, guys that are listening, make sure you guys go follow, like, and subscribe to 907 Pro Wrestling Academies. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can see my matches and many more matches, many more people's matches. Make sure you guys follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Rome Gibson. And my favorite seafood place, if you guys ever come to Alaska, go to the Super Bowl, Fifth Avenue Mall. Well, Rome Gibson, it has been our pleasure to have you on the show today. We definitely appreciate you making us your first stop on your podcasting journey. Hopefully you'll get to hit all the major podcasts and tell your story. And best of luck to you as you continue with your career. Give my best to everybody up there in Alaska. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Hopefully we can do it again a couple months from now. Absolutely. I will definitely be in touch. And make sure the next time there's a show you say, hey, i got to go get the turnbuckle key out of the truck real quick. And then just take a look around you'll see my picture right there in the truck. Would do All right, fans, definitely keep an eye on Roland Gibson. He's a great up-and-coming competitor. If you are in Alaska, check out 907NSA, WrestlePro, all shows that you may see Roland Gibson appear. So make sure you support him and what he does. We'll be back with you next week. Next Friday, we have Riley Rose out of Ohio. And a week from today... Funny Ha Ha Month starts. First out of the deck, we have Joe Vernola out of Colorado. He is a person that has many hats in wrestling, announcer, commentary, referee. He wrestles, and he does stand-up. So we will talk to him. If you are in Washington, I'm headed to WAC to watch the big interpromotional show so join us there and we will see you next week
Honey, just walk through the storm Like a queen with her king 